0: The following is a paid advertisement of St. Anthony Hospital Orthopedics. References to any specific product, services, or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by St. Anthony Hospital, Carroll Broadcasting, or its advertisers. The views expressed by the host or guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Welcome to the St. Anthony Hospital Orthopedic Show with Dr. Richard Godding. Dr. Godding specializes in joint preservation, reconstruction, and replacement surgery and brings over 25 years of orthopedic excellence to St. Anthony Hospital and to the Carroll area. For more information about Dr. Godding, his practice, or St. Anthony Orthopedics, go to stanthonyhospital.org or make an appointment by calling 712-794-5536.
1: Good Sunday morning, Iowa. And thank you for spending some time with me here on this Christmas Eve. And as you know, one of my. I've been doing the radio show. This is going to be year number six. And one of the things that I've enjoyed, as the longtime listeners will recognize, is that previously I was working at a hospital that was owned not by the church. And, of course, the St. Anthony's Hospital is owned by the Sisters of Perpetual Adoration in, uh, I believe it's Madison, Wisconsin. I should probably know that, but it's certainly in Wisconsin. And so it is, by definition, part of a ministry. What does that mean? So the hospital itself acts as a ministry to live out the teachings of Jesus, to actually go out there and put your hands and hearts on people and heal them. And that's one of the things I really like about working at a hospital. Now, I went to a Catholic medical school. I went to Georgetown. I did my my residency at, it was under the academic umbrella of New York Medical College, but it was St. Vincent's Catholic Medical Center's uh, where I did it. So, you know, I did all my training in Christian based hospitals and, and, uh, I have seen both ways and listen, there's good care both ways, but there's just a little something different to me that I enjoy when you are walking in the hall in the morning and somebody comes on the intercom and reminds you that this is a day that God made. And to pause and reflect on that. And, So I just, I really enjoy that aspect of it, that that part of being part of an actual ministry. And of course, at Christmas and Easter, that becomes, we think about it more, right? That's kind of the idea of the holidays, right? Is to think about it more. And I think about when you look at, I always try to explain this to, I want my kids to have, a faith that they come to because they've thought about it a lot. And so the way I when I was young it didn't resonate with me when someone would say, "Well, how do you know that?" and I would say I would say, "Well, how do you know that?" And, and someone would say to me, "Well, the Bible says it." That was a roadblock to me f- as far as faith goes. So through a lot of searching as an adult actually. Even though I was raised, my grandparents are very strong Christians, and I certainly went to Fellowship of Christian Athletes and church services when I was young and kind of was in and out of that during my adult life. But the thing that really helped me was to understand the deep level of truth that's in the Bible and that that becomes the reference for me. So in other words in order to get to the idea that you can believe that Jesus was the son of God and was sent down here and born in a manger in Bethlehem, in order to believe that story that is the centerpiece of Christmas and that and the resurrection would be the centerpiece of Christianity, in order for me to really get to where I was not you know, going through the motions, but like, yeah, no, I, I actually believe that that happened, I had to look at the things in the Bible, and specifically the things that Jesus said that were just so true, both in their words and their actions, that it became then indisputable to me then that the rest of it would be constructed around a lie. I'm not sure I'm making that make sense as much as I'm trying to, but there's so much truth interwoven, any of it. So when you look at the things that Jesus would say, let those of you who are without sin cast the first stone, right? I mean, the thought and the action of that is so true, and it was so revolutionary at its time. There was, there's no one else previous to Jesus in the historical record that we know of that basically was thought of as an exalted person and who spent their time tending to the poor and the sick. And then that becomes, well, what if we all did that, right? What if we all really looked after the poor and the sick? Not, not, you know, voted for somebody who promised to do it for you, but what if we did it ourselves? How much better would the world be if we really walked around doing that stuff ourselves? And everybody knows That if we did that more and all of us even me, you know, even though I do it every day That's what I do for work, but I also do a lot of stuff out of work If I did more the world would be a better place and If everybody did more There's a limitless amount of goodness that can happen in the world if people decide to act kindly and in in a truly Christian manner that reflects Jesus and and You can't argue with that. I mean, even Gandhi said Jesus was the greatest moral teacher. And, well, how can that be then? See, this is how it it all came. You know, when I started reading these things, this is how it all came together for me. How can it be then that somebody is the greatest moral teacher and also says (laughs) that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and then those two things aren't both true? So that's how I got to it. And then of course the historical record and the historicity. I looked into I had to look into all of it. And then I looked into I got into looking into the the constant universe theory uh, which is what preceded the Big Bang theory. So there used to be the theory among scientists because they really thought a lot of scientists are atheists and they really wanted to present a scientific consistent story where 97% of the scientists say a certain thing, they were trying to really get that consensus so that people would stop arguing about it until the 1950s. It was the constant universe theory. The universe had always been here, will always be here. It's just something we're never going to be able to understand, but it's always been here. And the reason that the atheists enjoyed that explanation was it it did not... Have at its heart a creation. It got around the question of, well, what created the universe? It got around that question, right? So when it was actually, I believe it was Webster Hubble, who the Hubble telescope is named after, who started showing by observation that, hey, actually the universe is expanding. And then they did more and more studies on radio waves and and radiation and things like that, and they said, oh, oh, yeah, this thing's expanding. And guess what? There was a start to it, and that is the Big Bang Theory. So the Big Bang Theory, boy, it was very poorly received at first by uh, scientists who were very strongly against putting forward any kind of a scientific theory, and they're all theories, right? They, I mean, they can't prove the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> it's a theory by definition. They, are, they were very strongly against putting out any theory that implied a beginning, because that correlated way too well with what it says in Genesis. But the evidence for it became so overwhelming that it's now, now they say, well, yeah, there was a beginning, but that just has nothing to do. That doesn't mean that there was a creator. It just kind of happened. Well, I had a problem with that, you know? So in order to understand to me, in order to understand God, you have to think outside of the parameters of what we know in the known universe, right? So who created the universe? Well, it would have to be somebody who existed in laws outside of the universe, right? So that, or some being, or that wouldn't be God, right? So these are kind of the avenues that when I think about Christmas, I mean, I think about the miracle. I think about why God would choose a humble carpenter and his wife to have a child born in a manger and so so what does that represent well why was he born in a manger because nobody would have him and he was poor right why would God choose why not have if God was choosing to bring a son into the world why not make it be the son of an emperor or a ruler or someone on high well that's the whole idea though is because it's a call for how we're supposed to act and it's to begin with humility and it's to begin with humility and kindness and so these are the kind of things that 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 i think about around christmas time and all of it you know the the fact that we celebrate it in uh around the solstice where that's the darkest day of the year and there's light coming now uh, do we really know that this is the day that do we know the date? Well, I haven't really ever gotten good confirmation that we actually know that it's a date. Um, uh, but we certainly know that there was a season, right? We know we know the season of it, and it was the season. And why wouldn't God choose the time of year where it's the darkest and the coldest and the uh, back in those days? When life was a much harder struggle than it is now, uh, it would be around this time that you really started to kind of look at how much grain you had saved. And, you know, you had, had to start thinking, okay, well, we at least in the northern hemispheres and the northern climates, well, there's nothing to grow for another few months. We got to make it through. And so we need hope. And so why not do it at that time? And so... I don't know, for me, I love Christmas. I love sitting next to the fireplace with, uh, with some Christmas music on and, and uh, looking at the Christmas tree and with my dog in my lap and hanging out with my kids and just enjoying what we have and also understanding that a whole lot of the world doesn't have that and it makes you think about, well, what's my place? How do I help? And sometimes you can feel helpless you know, how am I gonna affect what's going on in Israel, Palestine? How am I gonna affect what's going on in Ukraine? How am I gonna affect that that they have floods here or tragedies there? I mean, and the only thing you can really do is pray. And I think it does make a difference. But I think that all of this wraps into this holiday where we as Christians look at the heart of the story is that people were fallen and still are fallen and all of us are truly fallen. That's another Christian tenet that is just true. There's nobody, anybody who is a thinking person understands that everybody is really flawed and that in the Christian terminology, you would say that you're a sinner. What does sin mean? Well, that means that's back from the Hebrew and Greek uh, word to miss the mark. So you're missing the mark. You're, mi- you're not doing what you're supposed to do. That's what sin is, whether it's whatever the sin is, you're, you're missing the mark. And that's what the Bible codifies for it. That's what it tells us. That's, that's how it is a guidebook to live a life that is not only more prosperous, uh, not necessarily, necessarily financially prosperous. I mean, Some of the most prosperous people I have ever met on this planet don't have a lot of money. Uh, it's not about that, but to be prosperous, to have strong family, to have love for your family, and to do good for your community, all of those things are drawn out from you if you are trying to reduce the amount of sin because the opposite of missing the mark is hitting the mark, right? So what are we supposed to do? When you do something kind, when you help somebody, when you are working to make the world a better place, you're hitting a bullseye, you're making God happy. And you know, this is that time of year. I mean, this is a reflection time of year, right? It's not just a celebration, at least for me. I think it should be a tremendous celebration but I think it's a time to just really reflect and, you know, and then set the tone. Well, well, okay, now we have, we have uh, a wonderful rejoicing time, uh, being grateful for our gifts and grateful for our lives and grateful that, that the universe exists, <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't have anything to be grateful for. And then start, after that tremendous celebration, start charting a course for the next year. And how are we going to sin less or or hit the mark more? Because that's all it is. Like I, I you know, when people say um, that they don't like the term sin, well, that's because they don't want to admit that they're sinners because everybody is. What does it mean? Well, it's just terminology. It just means you're not hitting the mark. I mean, and it means that that we're imperfect people who can try to, try to live a better, more closely aligned life with what, um, Jesus taught us. So, so Merry Christmas. And I hope everybody who hears this is either planning on or in the middle of a a wonderful celebration and has gratitude. And if, if I can tell you that I was talking to my daughter about this the other day, and she was talking about kind of her experiences, her faith experiences over time. And, um, you know, she, When I, what I basically said to her is as you get older, at least for me, it's the times when you're really knocked down, when life really kicks you, that faith carries you through. And so if you're out there right now and lo- <clears throat> life is kicking you, Whatever that would be—the sickness of a loved one, or the loss of a job, or whatever—a uh, personal illness—I just would recommend that you you open up the Bible and read it, and talk to other people, and see the light that Jesus puts out into the world through the people. And I would just suggest that you know go to a local church if you haven't been for a while. If you go to church every week, just redouble your efforts to get the most out of it. Ignore the fact that churches are full of hypocrites because people are fallen and just you know do the best that you can with it cuz it's we're we're all fallen and we're all trying to be less hypocritical. We're all hypocrites, right? Everybody is all the time. And not maybe not all the time, but everybody is. So everybody's just trying to not miss that mark. Everybody's just trying to celebrate and be gracious together. So So at that point, I would say, Merry, Merry Christmas. And I I wish everyone uh, a very happy, gracious holiday season and move forward loving each other the way that we're supposed to love each other. Uh, Love yourself the way you're supposed to be loved. And remember that uh, we had someone uh, born into this world to show us how to live and, uh, uh, even if you're not a Christian and you don't embrace the story, um, from a perspective of believing in it, you can, you can learn a whole lot about how to live your life by reading the Bible and trying to imitate that framework. And that's what I always say. And maybe it'll grow on you and you'll have faith and maybe you won't, but either way, living in that direction is absolutely hundred percent going to be better for you and the people around you. So with that, I would just say, Merry, Merry Christmas. And, uh, I hope everyone is uh, having just a wonderful day uh, coming up. So have a blessed week, Iowa.
0: This has been the St. Anthony Hospital Orthopedic Show with Dr. Richard Godding. For more information about Dr. Godding, his practice, or St. Anthony Hospital Orthopedics, go to www.stanthonyhospital.org or make an appointment by calling 712-794-5536.